0: Good evening. Welcome to the Particular Baptist Podcast. My name is Desiree Vincent. I'll be hosting tonight. I am Daniel Vincent's wife, who is your normal host with Sean Cheatham. So, what else? All right. You can find this podcast and other podcasts at reformpodcast.com. And also be sure to check out the blog at theparticularbaptist.net.
1: Look
2: at you.
0: Did I do that right? Yes. <laughs> okay.
2: Look at you. You're gonna posting,
0: but I'm also this is my first time. You're gonna take over the show
2: (laughs) and I'm gonna be left behind. Okay.
0: I think I got it. All right. So let's dive into our topic. So today's topic is talking about teaching theology to our children and also talking a bit about the book that the particular Baptist is working on, which is geared towards children. And let's start by you telling us a little bit about the book. Can you start with the title and who the contributing authors are?
2: Yeah. So the, the title is uh, called The Infinite for Little Minds, The Doctrine of God for Children. Um, it's really going to be, it, it's a group effort. So it's going to be all the team members of the Particular Baptist. So there's four of us, myself, um, Sean Cheatham, our co host Andrew Warwick and Travis Rogers who are both members at our church Covenant Reformed Baptist Church um, so we're all contributing to this we're all writing chapters we're all divvying up the work um, and collaborating on it um, so yeah it's going to be kind of a multi-group effort um, so means coordination and and we're having to uh, we've had some lengthy discussions on how we're going to write it and how things are going to play out um, so yeah it's really the whole team
0: Okay. So you guys like collaborating each chapter or are there are certain chapters written by certain authors or how's that? How's so that we're
2: applied? all going to collaborate on it um, on each chapter, all going to review each other's work. But we did assign chapters and sections to different um, members of the team.
0: Okay. And like, will it be labeled who wrote which chapter like within the book?
2: Um, You know, I haven't actually thought about that. That might be something good to do. Um. But we'll probably, you know, I don't know yet.
1: Okay. <laughs> I really don't All
0: right, know. Well, picking your brain
2: We're here. Kind of planning us on the fly, <laughs> I guess. Did <laughs> I put you on the spot? Yeah.
0: Okay. <laughs> All right. So, on to our second question. So, what inspired you to write a book on this topic?
2: So, with a lot of the resurgence of the doctrine of God that has been going around, um, especially among Reformed Baptists, um, it's kind of this particular issue of the doctrine of God is very is an ish, area of passion for me. Um, I think it's a very important topic. It's a critical topic we need to understand. Um, but I think that it's important that we teach it to our kids. And I wanted to teach this to our kids specifically mm-hmm. and really um, kind of formulate officially how we I was going to teach that. You know, was it going to be something? Um, that I didn't want it to be something that was just off the cuff. I actually wanted to write down what I wanted to teach our kids. And then it, it was just like, Hey, why don't we just put this into a book form? And so that's kind of where the ideas, um, put this into a book form and maybe others can benefit from it as well.
0: Yeah. Cause I know, um, in our experience, if you guys don't know, Daniel, and I have three kids, Mm -hmm. our oldest is now six and she's starting to ask some pretty good questions yeah (laughs) so um yeah we get pretty deep into theology sometimes and devotion so i know this will be a good resource for our family and others so yeah i hope so yeah so question number three As this book is geared towards children, can you talk a little bit about like if you have an age category in mind of which age of children might be able to understand this or grasp this? And is it written in a way that children could read it on their own or is it written in a way that parents would be guiding it and it'd be more like a family devotion material or what were your thoughts with that?
2: So I want it to be um definitely more family devotional okay um it's certainly i mean if you're if the kids are old enough they can read it but i really want it to be with the parents reading it to their children and then uh it can be in more of a family devotional setting okay so i think that would be the best way to to deal with it and it's written in a way that i think will be readable Mm -hmm. or that's how we want to formulate it at least yeah um but a way that parents can almost catechize their kids. So it's not written in a catechism format. Um, but it's broken down in a way that I think it can be easily read by parents to kids. And hopefully it will spur discussion um, as they're diving into these topics.
0: Do you think like any age of child could just be a part of this, like just like the whole family involved, or did you think it was more for older children?
2: Um, I think any child could be involved. It is geared for, um, I guess maybe the six to 10 age mm-hmm. range primarily. Okay. So we're trying to write it or, you know, we're going to try to write it at a, uh, at more of their level mm-hmm. so that we can communicate these difficult truths, um, at a, you know, at a child's level. And that's very difficult to do when we're talking about God. I mean, we have a, have a hard time <laughs> ourselves even understanding that. So trying to bring it down to a child's level is very difficult. And I know you're going to be helpful in that area from bringing the teacher's perspective Ms. Desiree yeah. is Desiree a, is a licensed teacher in the state of Virginia for elementary school. So yeah. I, um, she's going to actually be helping to see if the language that we're using uh, is going to be utilized in a proper way at their level. And does yeah. this make sense at a child's level?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I know one term that gets thrown around, or at least back when I was in school, is student-friendly language. But I think there's a little bit of uh, wiggle room with that when the parents are around, because kind of like with a teacher, if you're reading something higher level, um, it's not necessarily a bad thing, because you can uh, discuss the vocabulary, as long as you're not going too fast and explain things, answer questions. I mean, because the Bible itself is, um, you know, there's higher level stuff in there, and we read that to our kids and we discuss it and yeah and sometimes even though it's it's not like kid level you know
2: yeah sometimes they're just listening or even in church um you know some the kids will be sometimes listen i mean trinity's one she's not picking up on anything really yet (laughs) yeah um but they're listening even if they're doing other things and pastor steve's not our pastor is not teaching at a level that's kid level necessarily yeah. but yeah. they're picking up concepts every now and then
0: he'll be like kids listen to this right like, hey are you listening yeah. <laughs> he's talking to you
2: <laughs> yeah so but, yeah. yeah we want to we're, we're gearing it more towards an age range but it certainly doesn't have to be limited to that
0: yeah i think that's a good balance especially yeah. if it's a devotional we're not and,
2: writing it like at you know bob book level or anything like no. that. <laughs> we're not doing that
0: <laughs> Bob, but, Bob book theology would be yes. not a good idea, <laughs> <laughs> anyways. Um, all right, so uh, will there be anything else in the chapters that are that could be used as a resource for the parents, like discussion questions or index, glossary, Bible proof texts, anything like that?
2: Um, so at the end of each chapter, I want there to be discussion questions, okay? Um Maybe just a few, um, just to really spurn discussion after the fact and try to ingrain these things into the kid's mind. So it's not just, um, the children are hearing these things and the parents are reading them and then they just walk away and they don't know what they're, they just heard. It's so that the parents can really help the children to understand. And maybe the parents can learn too, Mm -hmm. but it spurs that discussion. They're discussing why, you know, what did they learn? Did they actually understand what it is they, right. They heard. So I and that kind of plays into the family devotional aspect of it as well. Yeah. So that that's kind of where I want to go with that. Um, So there's no index. um, And there are some there are at least from my own portion of the writing. I think I have at least some scripture references Mm -hmm. in my chapters like um, within
0: the text or like at within the, bottom the text of the page okay and i think
2: there is some references in some of the questions that people can go and look up
0: okay yeah um
2: but i don't have like a glossary or anything like that um at least not yet it that might happen i don't know we're still okay. you know we're still in the the development stage but um in terms of how long the book will be um Probably not super long i am thinking may, maybe between forty and sixty pages okay. um so it's not it's not gonna be like uh your reform bovink reform dogmatics yeah. here um, <laughs> four volumes I think it's it's just gonna be a small book that kind of lays the foundations of the doctrine of God for kids and uh, kind of gives them the basics of those concepts mm-hmm. um, without diving too much into the details but at least they're learning the terminology and the concepts early yeah so that's that's kind of the idea behind it
0: i know like with the discussion questions like from i guess from like the teacher perspective i know that that's really good for like solidifying the understanding for the kids If you have to talk about something, helps you to remember, helps you to learn. And then it also helps the parents check for understanding. Like, do you understand what's going on? If you can't answer a question, we need to talk about this some more. (laughs) Right. So, yeah.
2: So it helps them to understand, hey, did you actually listen to what I said? Or were you just kind of dozing off or something?
0: Right. Yeah. And for little
2: kids, that's unfortunately something that's difficult not to do. But
0: Yeah. It might make you take longer, but if you take longer and you learn a lot, it's Better than going fast and not learning anything, <laughs> right? <laughs> and it seems like you can take your time because the books really not all that long. So, mm-hmm. are the chapters themselves just going to be like a few pages?
2: Yeah, that's kind okay. of the idea, maybe five pages at most. Okay, um, yeah. there's a couple books that I tried to model it after. Um, there's a book by Joel Beeke. I think it's the ABCs of Christian Theology. I don't think I have
0: it oh. on here,
2: it's probably we upstairs. Might have,
0: we were showing it to our friends last night, so. Yes. And then there's
2: another one called Obey.
0: Yeah, the obey book.
2: Yeah. yeah. But it's kind of the same concept. You have discussion questions and you have concepts. But now I don't know if the Beaky book has any questions, but it I think it, it, has, it has
0: questions throughout. Okay. Yeah. And it's but really it takes, short.
2: Yeah, it takes chapters. It's topical and then it has a few pages per chapter. Yeah. Um, and that's the idea behind the book that we're looking at.
0: Yeah, it sounds good. Okay, so a little bit more into what we, what we were just talking about. Can you talk about like how the books organized? Is it like by chapters, subtopics, mm-hmm. and like? Um, do you want to share a little bit about what the what the different topics covered underneath the doctrine of God? Yeah, maybe. Um,
2: so I guess I can talk a little bit about that. So we talk about um, so there's a lot of aspects when you're talking about the doctrine of God or theology mm-hmm. proper. Yeah, um, we have. Uh, a chapter on God's uh, unity, the unity of God, the singularity of God. Um, there's a chapter on His simplicity, that God is not composed of parts. Mm-hmm. Um, a chapter on the Trinity, um, as well as some uh, other attribute discussions. Um, there is an appendix that I'm or I, I wrote in there that is going to include the, or that includes the, um, the creeds. Some of the, Good. I I think it's three of them. The Apostles' Creed, the uh, Nicene Creed, and the Chalcedonian Creed. I think those are the three that I put in there. So that way that parents can catechize their kids on the creeds Mm -hmm. and they can memorize them and and understand the doctrines that were codified by the church in those Mm -hmm. councils, um and they can understand those core Christian doctrines, um, and and their parents can help them to understand them by helping them to learn those creeds. Yeah. Um. So that that's going to be in the back, and there's some other chapters as well. But yeah, it's really take hitting some of the core aspects of of who God is, and seeing it as being identified with the Church Catholic Little C Catholic the Universal Church
1: mm-hmm.
2: that this is not. You know, we we don't want to say that these things are just simply a reformed teaching, but this is Christian teaching. This is biblical teaching, and it's identified with the history of the church as well. Yeah. So I think that's kind of where we're wanting to go with that.
0: Um, Are you going to have anything in there that would like encourage parents to want to memorize, like have the kids memorize those creeds or they're just there like as a resource?
2: Um. Yeah. Yeah. So the mm-hmm. parents can. Uh, hope. I would hope that they would. Um. Maybe have them memorize those mm-hmm. creeds.
3: Yeah.
1: Um.
2: But at least go through them and understand, because some of those difficult concepts are laid out in at least in very simplistic, if you can say that, simplistic terms yeah. or very um concise terms, so they can learn the terminology well. So um and and sean's harassing us i saw here. him say oh
0: and that's why i started to- <laughs> you know
2: sean if you didn't take breaks you could be sitting here with me so take that do
0: you want me to put a sheep costume yeah. on <laughs> anyways um oh now i lost my train of thought you supposed to be helping uh, <laughs> okay so what i was gonna say is i know you and i have talked a little bit about the value of memorization with children, because even if like these are really deep and rich topics that they may not fully understand, I mean, we don't even fully understand. Mm -hmm. um, Kids are so good at memorizing things. They're just really good at it. Like little sponges. So if nothing else, you know, the things that we teach them and kind of come to mind later in life, you know, like kind of stuck in their heads. They can use it, use their brain as a resource to remember these important, important. People. Yeah,
2: even if they don't become Christians, they <laughs> can still at least have these biblical concepts um, of what we're suppo- of what they're supposed to learn.
0: But. Yeah, it's probably a lot harder for us to memorize now with our old brains. <laughs> <laughs> anyways, all right, so. All right, so with this being a book for children, will there be any graphics or imagery to enhance what and what is written?
2: Um, no, that's okay. not the plan right now no okay. um, I'm definitely not an artist, and yeah, I think it's just gonna be a book that has it's just gonna be designed for the parents to read to their kids without any kind of visualization okay so
0: and that's okay, um. All right. So stemming a little bit away from the book, but still on the topic of um, literature for children, Christian literature, theology for children. um, What are your thoughts in general about the presence of imagery and pictures and books that are intended to teach children about the things of God? And does your answer change if we're talking specifically about divine imagery, like pictures that are meant to represent the persons of the Godhead? And this is kind of a big question, but do you have any biblical passages that come to mind to support your thoughts on this? I just thought that was an interesting topic for us to stem.
2: Yeah. Um, So I don't have a personally, and I know there are people that would personally, I don't have a problem with um, imagery of the divine in and of itself. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, when you look at Exodus 20 verse four and I, Clearly don't have my Bible with me and I should have grabbed it.
0: Do you want me to grab Yeah, the you want
2: to right grab it. Okay. We're doing this on the fly, everybody. Locking so hang on. For any lights.
0: Here we go. I'm short.
2: Um Exodus twenty, verse forty. If I can find it here. Oh not forty, I'm sorry, verse four. Um, it says you shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. Um, and then verse five, you shall not bow down to them or serve them for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers and the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. Um, so I, I think that the, the making of images isn't really what's in mind here. It's, uh, the making of them with the intention to worship. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I don't have a problem necessarily with uh, images of the divine. I don't think they're helpful, and I think uh, they can be problematic. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Um, And this is the view of John Gill as well. He uh, was a particular Baptist in the late 17th century, and in his commentary on this passage, he talks about this, and I'll read a little bit of what he said. He said, quote, An image of anything graven by art or man's device cut of wood of stone, and so anything that is molten or cast into a a mold or form engraved by man and this in order to be worshipped, end quote. Mm. So he clarifies it. It's not the making of the image the problem. It's making of it with the intention to worship it. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, we couldn't make images of anything because it, it's it. there's no exception to the rule. It's anything. Heaven above, earth beneath, run the water under the earth. You Couldn't make Im- images of anything. The intention is... Uh, to prevent against worshiping those things, making mm-hmm. those things um, out to be God essentially, and that is consistent with what is in verses two and three, um, or at least verse uh, verse three: "You shall have no other gods before me, or have no other gods before my face." Right? It's mm-hmm. playing into that: no graven image that is replacing me. Um, so I, I don't think there's a pr- a problem inherently with making an image of the divine or even a picture of Jesus. Um, but I think that there is a tendency uh, to make those images um, what we actually think of God. And I think that's mm. a danger because yeah. we're, we, we in our finite creaturely minds want to make God looking like us. And we want to try and understand him in a way that is um, creaturely. Right. So I think there is a tendency um to idolize those things. So I think it's best not to, but I don't mm-hmm. think that this is forbidding that.
0: Okay. That um, makes that makes sense.
2: Yeah. i, I now, know there, are, like... there there are people who are strongly for not making any images right. at all. Yeah. And I, I, was underst- raised that way, I like, understand yeah. that I understand that. I understand that, but I don't see that as um really the point of verses four and five in
0: uh mm-hmm. the
2: Ten Commandments.
0: In our situation, I don't think it would be helpful in any way because, uh, like, we've had a lot of conversations trying to explain God, God not having a body. And I I think if there was any kind of imagery, that would just make it all the more confusing
3: to explain,
0: especially, I mean, Jesus is one thing. He did have a body. We don't know what he looked like, but he had one. But, like, God the Father and the Holy Spirit, you know, like. Yeah, she has a hard time understanding the fact that he's everywhere, but he's not sitting on that chair. Right. (laughs) Like we had that conversation just the other day, like trying to, Mm -hmm. so imagery, that would not, that would not work. (laughs) No,
2: even when you're reading about God or about Jesus, inevitably, because you're reading a book that is, has descriptive language, you're going to create images in your mind. Right. There's no way around that. You, You would have to stop reading this book in order to do that. Yeah. So there is a sense again where images being created is not the problem. It is um, it's the worshiping of them Mm -hmm. that is the issue, I think here. And and I think John Gill makes a very good point um, in that it's the purpose behind it that's the problem, not the making of the Mm -hmm. images. Yeah. So
0: all right, well, good discussion there. Let's see. Let's move on to our next. Heart? all right so do you think there are any common issues that we see in literature available for children to learn about god and if so what issues come to mind
2: um i think based on my experience anyways i think there's a propensity for children's books to make god too much like us too much mm-hmm. very much uh, in a creaturely light mm-hmm. and obviously any language of God is going to be analogical. It's not going to be a one-to-one comparison. Otherwise God would be creaturely and we would have a, there's a whole bunch of problems with that. Um, but I think there's a tendency to dumb God down so much to have little kids at least come down to their level that God becomes more creaturely than he should be. Mm -hmm. That's my, that's how I take it. Um, So, like, proper language of God being completely other than his creation, I think, is absent, Hmm. or at least seems to be absent. Um, Like we said, it's not easy to teach these concepts to your kids, but we should be very Hmm. careful, even when talking to our kids about God, Hmm. that we're not doing so in a way that compromises who he is. Hmm. Because we still want to teach our children who he is from the scriptures and not compromise, even if it's difficult. Mm -hmm. but we don't want to dumb it down so much in the intention of being easily understood that we forget those core concepts. Sometimes we just got to tell them, Hey, this is, you know, this is who God is. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it's good that we teach our children some of these categories and proper language without really explaining the why necessarily Mm -hmm. at first, just here's how it is. God doesn't change. God is a spirit and doesn't have a body like men. We don't have to explain all of the why.
0: Unless you have Taya. Yeah. She'll then ask you, have you why. Ask. But sometimes <laughs> she, about just, everything.
2: she just needs to be like, okay, dad, I don't <laughs> get it, but fine. I, that's what the Bible teaches. And the why can come later. It's not like we want to brainwash them so they don't under, they don't ask these good questions.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: But at their age, you know, they're not old enough to make these distinctions and understand these things for themselves yet so it's mm-hmm. just take your take our word for it and then we'll explain the why later and i think that's it's it's kind of like when you tell your kid not to go in the street when they're small mm-hmm. they don't need to know why mm-hmm. just don't do just it just
3: obey right yeah. your life depends on
2: it right. but they don't they don't grasp what that means yeah. when they're young they just i don't i want to go in the street it looks mm-hmm. fun but we know as their parents and adults that they might get hit by a car and die yeah. So they just need to not walk in the street and mm-hmm. learn to obey immediately.
3: Yeah. So
2: that's kind of the way I see it. We teach them um, what to believe and the why can come later mm-hmm. yeah. um, and the why can kind of come up as needed. You know, Taya asks questions like our oldest and we can explain <laughs> to her um, as they come up. But even then, that's going to spur more questions. So, you know, in her limited understanding, just understand the why or uh, yeah. understand the what and the why can come later. Yeah. So
0: I like what you said about um, them obeying about like going in the street and things. Cause um, like if kids only obeyed what they understood and what makes sense to them, like that would be terrible for them. And in the same way, like we should never teach them that like Oh, we we're gonna believe the Bible, but if something doesn't like make sense to us, or it's like hard to understand, then we don't believe that. And I was like, no, we believe everything in the Bible, right? Regardless of our finite understanding of it, just like the kids obey everything we say, yep, regardless of whether or not it makes sense to them, you know?
2: Yeah, they just so, need to do it.
0: Why would I need to have broccoli? It's terrible. <laughs> 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 just no. do it. We say do it. Hey, broccoli can be. It can be good with the proper seasoning. <laughs> but anyway, Um, I was going to say, too, it seems like another problem with a lot of kids literature is a lot of things are kind of like softened or like made to be like cute and fluffy and adorable. When when a lot of like the the stories in the Bible were they're really not, you know? So, yeah. um Yeah. We don't want them to be necessarily like, I guess over the top, but like, you know, we're reading through the old testament with the kids right now, and there's there's stuff in there that we're going through. Yeah,
2: we're, and we're reading. not gonna
0: pick pick pieces out. Right,
2: you know, we're not gonna we're, skip over stuff. The word of God. So. We're reading through we read first Samuel and we're almost done with second Samuel in our family devotions. And there's some mm-hmm. pretty graphic stuff in there. We read a story about um a rebellion that went against David and the guy who um who led the rebellion ran to an, another city and David went over there and said give me his head and they threw it right. over the wall and yep. read that to the kids. And they're staying on me. Yep. They're like what
0: <laughs> they like, may have been dozing off or I don't know. The Bible
2: says take it, you know that's it it is it, what it is. It does. is what
0: it is. Yeah. So. Oh Dan, you don't mean there's like Noah's Ark is a little cute and all the animals are smiling <laughs> out the window. <laughs> No, No. the rest of the world died no. in that story. people <laughs> drowned,
2: and there are probably You're... bodies floating all over the place. Yeah. That's, the re- yeah. that's probably the reality of it. Yeah, we don't need it all. Picture it of God's, it. But
0: God's is, judgment. Yep. Yeah, that is what happened. But there is hope in the sign of the rainbow.
1: But... Yes.
0: Uh, anyways. All right, so question number nine. Why is it important that we teach children right theology or teach our children right theology?
2: Um, so for Christian parents, it's really because we're commanded to mm-hmm. um, Ephesians six, four, um, that we're to raise our children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Um, Proverbs 22, six, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Mm-hmm. So ingraining these biblical concepts into our children's minds is the responsibility of the parents. Right. right? Ultimately. Mm-hmm. Um And and I'm going to read John Gill again. He's talking about this Proverbs passage. Uh, He said, quote, As Abraham trained up his children and those born in his house in the way of the Lord and the paths of justice and judgment, which are the ways in which they should go and which will be their profit and advantage. uh, See Genesis 14, 14, 18, 19 and which is the duty of parents and masters in all ages and under the present gospel dispensation, even to bring such who are under their care in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, Ephesians six four, by praying with them and for them, by bringing them under the means of grace, the ministry of the word, by instructing them in the principles of religion, teaching them their duty to God and man, and setting them good examples of a holy life and conversation. And this is to be done according to their capacity. And as they are able to understand and receive the instructions given to them according to the mouth of his uh, of his way, as it may literally be literally rendered, as soon as he is able to speak or go, even from his infancy, or his children are fed by little bits or a little at a time as their mouths can receive it, end quote. Um, so it's really just teaching them the whole counsel of God. And there's nothing mm-hmm. specific that has to be taught. Um, I think there should be um, as we're, I think seeing with this book we're writing, Mm -hmm. uh, is a foundational understanding of who God is and letting everything else flow from that. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's really teaching the whole counsel of God to our children. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: And we're really disobeying, um, God as Christians, if we aren't doing that, uh, we're commanded to do, to raise them in the fear and admonition of the Lord, And we're being negligent if we are not doing that. Mm -hmm. Um, We need to teach them the gospel too. And that's in the scriptures, but especially because our children are not saved. They're not covenant children as Baptists. Mm -hmm. We reject that concept. Um, Our children are not in the covenant unless they believe by faith in Christ. They have to believe in the gospel. So we need to teach them the gospel. What is salvation that they are sinners, Mm -hmm. right? So we need to be uh, we need to be very very careful mm-hmm. with, that we teach them these things. And there's also to be discipline. Part of that is I think disciplining them. Um, Proverbs thirteen twenty four. Um, let me find that real quick. Proverbs thirteen twenty four talks about disciplining our our children, um, and actually has some very strong words for those who don't. Um, whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So um, disciplining our children is a key aspect of raising them in the fear and admission of the Lord. Mm-hmm. We need to teach them to obey um, not only our parents, because that's what God commanded and it's for their own good it's for their own safety. Um, but in order to drill these concepts of who God is and what God commands mm-hmm. into them, they need to be disciplined. Mm-hmm. Right. if God commands us to do this and you're not doing it, you're being foolish, then uh, you're going to get a spanking Yeah. Um, or discipline in some way. So, and, and I think it's very clear here. The primary uh, means of discipline is through spanking. Yeah. Whoever spare the rod hit in, I'm going to read John Gill again. I love John Gill. I keep <laughs> quoting our particular Baptist guy, um, but he seems to indicate this is a literal rod. It's not just a, um, a metaphorical statement for any kind mm-hmm. of discipline. Um, and I'll read him just uh, real quick here. He says, quote, who withholds or withdraws his rod of correction, which is in his hand. So it seems to be talking mm-hmm. a little wrong, which he has power to use and ought to exercise at proper times. He, instead of loving his son, may be said to hate him for such fond love is no better than hatred. And if mm-hmm. he really hated him, he could scarcely do a more ill thing by him than not to correct him for a fault, which was the sin of good old Eli, and both he and his son suffered for it. Mm. Remember with Eli, I think that was in First Samuel, his sons were wicked men,
3: mm.
2: even though they were in the priesthood. And Eli just kind of, he was like, yeah, you know, stop what you're doing, that's foolish. Mm. But he didn't really do anything about it. He just mm. kind of let them do whatever they wanted. And he paid for it. His sons yeah. died and he died too. So, yeah. um it's a serious thing to not discipline our kids and it's negligent. It's it hate. It's hateful.
1: Mm-hmm. You're not
2: going to, you're just going to let your kids do whatever they want
1: mm-hmm. and walk
2: all over you. Oh, you need to have order and discipline in your home mm-hmm. and teach them in the ways of scripture.
0: Yeah. I know the Proverbs has been really helpful for us in talking to the kids about why we discipline them mm-hmm. and what our responsibility is and what the Bible says loving them actually is right (laughs) you know and it's hard for them to understand but ultimately i do think that they feel that like they feel that i know that um your mom mother-in-law and your father-in-law they give us a lot of advice um i mean my mother-in-law your actual mom right (laughs) (laughs) um gives us good advice about like how they feel like security and peace really when they are consistently disciplined and knowing that we love them enough to teach them and that we we are going to be truthful when we say you if you don't like like you have to do this and if not you're gonna have this consequence sort of thing. Right. I mean, really it's not it's kinda of lying to them if we give them a give them a standard and then we don't hold them to that standard, then they don't know yeah. like, what to think from us. So I mean not that we do it perfectly, but these are the reasons why we should, right? Yeah. <laughs> the Bible says we should.
2: And we shouldn't be, good. you know, yeah. and it's not it's not being abusive or being cruel. Yeah. It's to teach them um that there are con- there are consequences for sin. You know, like we've told our son Thomas, who's our number two, he's three, yeah. almost four. Um, you know, it, what's the verse you've been teaching? Proverbs ten. 13 right
0: yeah he who has he who has understanding on the, <laughs> now yeah, it's the like i'm on the spot rod is and then the, the second the, part the, is the like, rod is for the back, back of him who will accent so that's the end of it yeah <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah and you, he says it over you don't and
2: over wanna, you don't want to be stupid yeah yeah lack sense it it yeah. it means this spiritual stupidity right spiritual foolishness you don't want to be stupid though he's like i don't want to be stupid like then obey, you know, do what God says. Yeah. Don't, don't, uh, don't fall into that category where scripture puts you, Mm -hmm. you know, or you're going to be the, it's going to be difficult for you. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And then they, they hopefully will learn those things over time that, um, you know, okay. And I'm doing this thing. That's not smart. It's going to, it's going to bring a, an unpleasant consequence and Mm -hmm. I better not do that again. So that that's all part of this raising into the fear and admonition of the Lord, drilling yeah. those things into them. Like, okay, this is, and over time, and we even see this where there's this kind of they just obey. Yeah. Obviously, not they're not. Like, no, 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 yeah. no. But there's a consistent. Yeah. They get better at it. Yeah. Over time.
0: And I hope I hope that like as we go back and forth, we're like how ha- it's like we're having conversation, but everybody's here too. But yeah. <laughs> um, I hope that it doesn't seem like. Like, like we're preaching to ourselves too. like, we're talking to ourselves because I know that like every day we have room to grow and we fail in some ways. And and it's interesting because in the same way that like the kids disobey and they see consequences for their actions, when we don't follow through this, we see consequences in our own home. Yeah. When we are, when we fail to be consistent and we're like, oh, I'm tired. I'm not going to follow through. It continues and it continues and it continues. Yeah. We have to stop it. Right.
2: They're turds. So, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes weird. <laughs> yeah. but anyways. um, Okay. So I thought one more thing we could talk about with this question before we go on the next one is. Uh, no, well, wait, did you finish answering that question? Yeah. Okay. Um. So what about bringing us our kids to church? That's another big aspect to this and that kind of ties into the next question responsibility of the parents right
2: yeah um so it, i mean it's a fine line to walk because um clearly biblically the primary means of raising our kids is the parents job right mm-hmm. they it's their, you know they are your children you have direct oversight over them you see them every day
3: mm-hmm.
2: um And the Bible puts the onus on the parents to raise their kids. However, with that said, that doesn't mean that the church doesn't have a role in that.
3: Mm
2: -hmm. Um, The church should absolutely have a role in that. Um, And it really comes through the parents being consistent in taking their family to church and sitting under biblical teaching. Um, And I, and I dare say that if, if parents neglect um, the the Lord's day and bringing their children to church, uh, mm-hmm. to a good sound biblical church. They're being negligent to their mm-hmm. kids' souls. Uh, you know, people can throw rocks at me, whatever that, that is, um, in a critical aspect of raising your children properly mm-hmm. as a Christian parent. Um, you need to have your, your family in the house of the Lord as much as possible in a good biblical, um, church. Right. Um, That is really where not only your kids will hopefully hear the word of God preached Mm -hmm. and see in the sacraments, the gospel, um, and seeing these core truths of the Christian faith being presented, um, but it's also good for the parents because the parents are learning these biblical truths and and understanding uh, what the scripture is being taught from the man of God, Mm -hmm. right? And they hopefully will trickle that down to their kids in their family devotions and in teaching um, at home. So I think that's absolutely part of uh, of raising your kids in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And it's sets an example. If you're neglecting church mm-hmm. for, you know, you're not going to a good biblical church. You're keeping your family away from there for no um, biblical reason. Um, you're not setting a good example on what it means to fear God because as Christians we're commanded to gather with one another. Mm-hmm. Hebrews is very clear about that. Um, and that was clearly in the context of a local church setting. It wasn't this kind of, you know, I'm part of the universal church and I'm just kind of doing my own thing over here. Uh, there was clearly a local church focused mindset. <laughs> Uh, there are people who have that kind oh, of, no, I, I, yeah, I, people have I like, agree
0: a hundred percent. They I don't remember. have, they their ecclesiology like is totally out to the lunch. The Lord's and day doesn't don't. mean anything. Yeah. Right. No, it, um, it does.
2: <laughs> yeah. You're not, you're not setting a good example for your kids on what it means to fear God. And if you're not right. doing that, how in the world are you really obeying God's command to raise them in the fear and admonition of the Lord? You're not, mm-hmm. you're being, yeah. you're, you're just not doing that at all. Um, At least in that way. So they need to be exposed to these things. Right. Right. Um, And even though our, the children of believers are not officially part of the covenant community, Mm -hmm. they they're involved in the covenant community's activities and there is blessing. I think that can come from it just by being around other Christians. They're hearing the gospel. I mean, that's a blessing in and of itself. Mm -hmm. Um, So you know, you're exposing them to these things and they're hopefully soaking them in and children pick up on concepts usually pretty quickly, you know, Mm -hmm. and they're, they're soaking these things up hopefully. So it's absolutely crucial. So in that sense, the church has a role. The Mm -hmm. church, um, does have authority over, you know, if you're, if you are, your, you as parents are submitted to a local church and membership, you're sitting under the authority of your elders. Mm -hmm. Then, um, the church has authority over you in a sense, right? They're mm-hmm. watching over your souls. They have the keys to the kingdom. You know, if you're living in unrepentant sin, there's church discipline.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, there is an authoritative sense where they can tell you what to do in some, um, at least to some extent. And then that kind of trickles into your family. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but just by being consistently in the house of the Lord, bringing your family there, you can, in our Fulfilling that command um, and helping to fulfill that command to raise your children properly in the fear and admonition of the Lord, mm-hmm. you're missing out on so much if you neglect the house of the Lord. Yeah, um, it's absolutely crucial. Um, so, but I don't think that means you know we're we're not like uh, we're not a part of the family integrated church movement. Right. right. Um, we do think that it's very good to have your children sit in on the service. Um, and we did have children's church for a while. Circumstances have changed, and we don't do that um, at least right now. Um, but you know, we're not against children's church or nursery.
0: Or I think or that, that children's was just Sunday school. Sunday school yeah. during equipping hour, not during the main service, right? At our church, at least, yeah, that's what we did. And we
2: have a we have a nursery. You know, that's not to say those things don't have their place. Mm-hmm. Um, but the primary focus is uh, the preaching and teaching of the Word of God, and yeah. children should be taught to sit in that, right? learn to sit still and it goes back to the discipline thing yeah sit still be quiet we're in church you don't yeah. have to sit there like a statue but you know like with our kids we give them things to do so they can uh, learn to sit quietly because yeah. you know their their little kids are not going to sit perfectly still um, they need something to do but they can sit quietly they can learn and at least start to soak in these things passively mm-hmm. um but it's teaching them that discipline, and they're they're learning the routine, and they're like Taya knows the doxology, yeah, and she sings it, and yeah. she they're they're I'm learning the liturgy, conversing. yeah. <laughs> so it's those type of things are very helpful, um, and I think are all part of this. It, it can that command Ephesians six four can really span out into a lot of different circumstances. Mm-hmm. There's no ne- there's not necessarily a cookie cutter way of doing it. Um, so, yeah,
0: I think uh, also like um, family devotions at home, which this book would help us, um, is also a great way to practice for the Lord's Day. You know, that that whole sitting still and listening, learning self-control, you know, we can practice that during the week yeah. to prepare for the Lord's Day.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And um I, I was going to say one of one of, I think, the hardest parts of like that COVID time when we all were kind of shut down and at home and doing Zoom church. And I mean, we were providentially hinded, hindered from meeting together. But I think what was hard, hard is that we don't want our kids to like forget that, like on Sundays we go to church. You know, this is what we do as a Christian family. This is right. what we do. You're you going to get up early with us. Right. This is, You're this going is just our to... life, you know.
2: Yep. You're not going to. Uh, we don't want you messing around. We're gonna be at church on time. Yeah,
0: and it starts Saturday yes. night, right? Like we're, go- you know, we're gonna be, re- we're we're gonna be doing our best. We're gonna be getting ready, you know, and because this is what's happening, and this is what we do, and this is what your life is like. And it's not like, oh, we'll see how we feel in the morning. It's like unless we're providentially hindered. This is where we go on Sunday morning, you know? <laughs> right. Which is good. That that's what we want them to think. That it's not just like, we'll see. Maybe we'll go, well, maybe we won't. it was like, oh, we're going. <laughs> yeah. Unless we're sick. Don't come to church sick. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, that that yeah. should be the mindset. And then as yeah. they they start to learn, and again, is like what we read in Proverbs? You're raising the child in the way they should go. They under they these things are drilled into their mind. And then when you move away from that routine, they're like why aren't we doing that? yeah, wait, what are we? This is strange. This is odd because they they know this is not how it's supposed right.
0: to be. It's a Sunday. Why aren't we church right here? We should so
2: there should that's the mindset we want to instill in them.
0: I think it's surprising too, how well kids can do if they do it for a while. like over time, they they like as as with all things, the more you practice, the better you become at it. So consistently right. coming week to week, you know. You're gonna see an improvement, you know, yep. in their behavior, and as all things. So Lindsay,
2: um, Lindsay Harmon actually asked some questions.
0: Okay, hey, Lindsay, let's see it.
2: Let's see. So you asked, you mentioned not skipping over anything when reading scripture to your kids, uh, right? But what about more serious topics like murder or rape? Um, and then I think you continue on here. Do you read over those stories where that occurs? Um, so no, we actually don't. Um, and that's, uh, first and second Samuel are a perfect example of that. Yeah.
0: With Tamar, we read that Tamar, just the other day.
2: Yep. We read that. Um, we read this story of David and adultery. Um, right. and there's, there's Joab murdering, um, different people who are opposed to David, mm-hmm. you know, Mr. Hitman over there right. going around taking people out. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we, we read it, we read all of those topics. Yeah. Um, now when they're young like that, most of that's going to go over their head and they're not yeah. going to understand it anyways. Um, but I don't, uh, I don't believe we should read over or skip over certain parts of scripture just because they're difficult. Mm-hmm. We want our kids to have an appreciation of, of all of scripture and, um, and even be exposed to some of these difficult things that doesn't mean we'll necessarily go into those topics in depth
0: yeah we didn't stop to be like okay this is what happened because i'm sure you don't know what it means like we just read it you know like we didn't yeah for the for the most part i mean like to the tamar situation we didn't because even even if you are an adult possibly that doesn't normally read the bible you may not even totally grasp what's going on like the words that they use in the bible are not really like when they say lie with a woman or something like that. Yeah. It is not, that's not even what adults in the world would say. So like the kids, I don't think they really understand at all what happened. No. So, and we're um, not,
2: yeah. we wouldn't, we don't stop to, you know, say, well, this is what lie with a woman means. The right, birds right. and the bees. No, well, we're like, not we never talk talked that. about that at
0: all because there's so but, little, but well, like, we
2: want them to, this is the word of God. We want you to be exposed to it and with warts and all,
0: we might've have have said something if, like, he did something bad. Yeah, maybe something generic. Yeah, yeah something with, like This that.
2: was, you know, what was described here was bad, but, you he know, just keeping thing. it yeah, yeah. without in, going into yeah. graphic detail.
0: Or David took another man's wife. I think we might have said something like that. Yeah, and how and that, that is might wrong be inappropriate. Because the kids know that it's one man, one woman. They know, like, in yeah. a very basic sense what marriage is, you know. Yeah. One man, so one, it's one a So
2: it, it's a good question, Lindsay, because it's yeah. not an easy... Um it's not an easy thing to to deal with and and you know we have these very difficult pa- stories in scripture. Yeah. Um sometimes very graphic stories that we have to deal with but at the end of the day it's really I I want our kids to be exposed to the entire counsel of God warts and all regardless mm-hmm. of their age. And the explanation of those things I think can come later. Right. Um as they get older. Mm-hmm. For instance, uh, Genesis 19 with uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, mm-hmm. right? Homosexuality. There's some uh, pretty disturbing things that happen in that chapter. You know, yeah. these men wanted to do evil things of so the two strangers that came. Mm. Um, and, and Lot made some very poor decisions with, uh, with his, uh, his daughter wanting mm-hmm. to send them out to those men. You know, there's some very disturbing aspects to that, Mm -hmm. Um, but it's still the word of God. And this really goes back to what we were talking about with Ephesians 6, 4, that we're to raise our children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And that really means teaching them all of scripture. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's going to look differently in different situations, but we should be exposing them to all of scripture Mm -hmm. um, and not piecemealing it. I think that can be dangerous, especially when you're talking about biblical interpretation. Um, because if we if we start piecemealing scripture to our kids, um, that can impact the way a particular passage may be interpreted. Because that interpretation, the right interpretation, may be dependent upon um, the part that you're leaving out. Right. So it's important that we uh, we expose our, our children, regardless of age to Mm. all of scripture. Um, now in in terms of reading, you know, we're, we're reading through different books of the Bible right now. Um, we didn't start that until they were a little older, right? Yeah. Like we're not sitting there when they're infants and reading them scripture, although that's not a bad thing, but we waited a little bit. Um, I think more because of attention span and, you know their their detention span is just nothing when they're really really little. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: yeah, Trinity sometimes will go to bed. And right. Then, then Tay and Tommy will. Listen. Yeah. And Trinity sometimes sits, but a lot of times she's just distracting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: But Tay and Tommy, we make them sit there. Yeah. You know? um, and the last questions. And they're all, and... Yeah. And the last questions, and that's okay. And then you give a response. But I think it's as part of mm-hmm. raising your children. If we're really going to teach them the fear and admonition of the Lord, they need to be exposed to all of Scripture Yeah. to ensure that's done properly. Um, doesn't mean you have to sit and read the all through the Bible with them. But if we're reading the Scriptures with them, mm-hmm. we should just read it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the explanation of difficult passages can be tailored to their age group yeah, um, and Discretion where they the are. Yeah. Oh, they but I, I don't yeah. think that we should hide Genesis nineteen no. or First and Second Samuel yeah. in spite of the graphic. Yeah, uh, and I, I don't of, think
0: anything would be taken away from Sodom, and Gomorrah, if you said something like they these men wanted to do bad things. You know, yeah, that's not incorrect. Right. It is it's bad, but we don't need to say exactly what bad things he wanted. They wanted to do, and you know? it just wouldn't be helpful for the little ones. But they know what bad is you know they know that it's wrong it's evil you know
2: yeah and they can yeah and those things will come yeah come later um i think it's important to you know in preparing our kids for the the real world so to speak it is important to expose them to some extent to things that are going to be out in the world yeah you know not let not with the fire hose fully on but little by little helping them to understand these different concepts um like homosexuality or mm-hmm. um or different sins um, that are out there in and, and it's better they hear it from here first and see it in light of what it shouldn't be right than what the world is going to give them and then you're having yeah. to go back and go, okay wait fine. wait wait yeah. this is not yeah yeah so it's better that they're exposed to it in in a biblical context mm-hmm. um and again the Bible doesn't really hold back in terms of its uh, you know what these sins were Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, you know, and then you have like lot committing incest, Mm -hmm. you know, there's all kinds of stuff that's just it makes it's cringeworthy because it's so evil. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's it's better that they're. I think that first they're exposed to these things from here in Mm -hmm. or at least from a biblical worldview um, than it would be to just have them get it from the world and they have no understanding of it at all
0: yeah um, and that
2: you know that's going to look different different places, but that's really again, going back to ephesians six four that's you know, part of that fear and admonition of the Lord mm-hmm. teaching and uh, that requires us to have an understanding of this book in totem, not yeah, not pete not through piecemeal um so hopefully that answers your question. That was a long answer, but
0: right. <laughs> uh, <laughs>
2: But hopefully yeah. that b- brings some clarity. That's, it's a very good it's a, those are very good questions. It's not yeah. easy to discern that because I think we as parents want to naturally um, shelter our kids from those type of things.
0: Yeah. Like you wish they weren't exposed. But, yeah. But like we we've got a neighbor that's living in an a, a sin, overtly sinful way that we we've already had to address these things. Yeah. At a very young age. I mean. We it may not even have been in the plan necessarily for us, but you know they ask these questions. They see it. We have to say that's not pleasing to God, right? You know, because the Bible says no. You know, yeah. So it's it's the world that we're living in. <laughs> so.
2: I, yep, and it's yeah. better that they know it from the, the biblical worldview right. than than they're just thrown into the deep end and they have no foundation to mm-hmm. stand on.
0: Yeah. And why are these things wrong? Yeah, why are well, these things wrong? Because... Well, it's actually in the first chapter of the Bible. Right. <laughs> God created man and woman, right? Is that Genesis 1? Am I right about that?
2: Um, but... It's in the creation
0: story. Anyways, yeah. Chapter, but... It's at the yeah. beginning of the Bible. <laughs> it's not like you have to dig very deep to see the way God designed this to be. But anyway. Yep. yep. But yeah.
1: Anyway. I, yeah, think well, I think that was all your we, questions. We
0: got That was a good discussion, Dan. That was fun. Yeah. Hopefully thanks for, that was helpful. We talked thanks about for interviewing the book. me. <laughs> we talked about more kid stuff. And it's fun because our, our kids are little too. We still have like a ton to learn. Cause I know yeah, we're not, we claiming, gone through the teenage we're not claiming years yet. to
2: have <laughs> this down completely.
0: It's like, I, we'll tell tell the people with babies I mean, a little bit about our it, experience. And then the people with teenagers I look think, at us and uh, just be like, you just I wait. I think my mom
2: <laughs> and or my dad might are listening. Cause okay
0: cool
2: uh, i see them here. yeah we so gave them a little shout have, out uh,
0: they're like our coaches
2: <laughs> we have asked them questions before we're not yeah. pretending like we've got this all together um but we're still learning as we're going along but these are some things that we have learned i think through our parenting experience that have been mm-hmm. helpful and through godly counsel yeah um and i'm sure we're gonna we're probably gonna learn more as we go along as yeah. we get older so
0: yeah, and thankfully you don't have to make it up as you go along because we have the Word of God, right? <laughs> so we don't have we'll to use this as our guess, f-
2: use this as our framework, and right. then it's it. The implications of that affect different situations.
1: So mm-hmm. okay, yeah.
0: All right. Well, that's about an hour. So yeah, not that we have to stop in an hour, but you know. <laughs> so um, thank you for joining us tonight, and I hope you guys enjoyed podcast and i think the next podcast is going to be march 12th we've got like some family stuff going on on Saturday yeah that's day. the plan yeah to we got Tommy's fourth birthday so and yep. yeah so i think the 12th will be the next one
2: yep um i don't remember off the top of my head what i had on the list for the topic but um the plan is to to do it okay. then
0: oh one more thing i think i meant to ask you at some point do you have like a little bit of a timeline for the book
2: um so that's really going to depend. Um, so the chapters in terms of the authors writing all of our chapters and having them in is, is March 1st. That's the due date. And then okay. we're going to start, or at least I'm going to start going through and trying to proofread them and see, mm-hmm. d- does this flow as a, as a cohesive whole? Does it seem to flow mm-hmm. as one voice? And once we get our final draft down, what mm-hmm. we feel is a is a solid draft. I want to have other godly men review it. Mm Good idea. uh, I won't mention who I have in mind right now, but um, I want to have some other godly men review it. I think Mm -hmm. that helps our credibility. Yeah, and it makes sure. I think there's an a tendency to just throw things out there, you know, because we're we're planning on just self publishing, Mm -hmm. right? Um, you know, we're not, we're nobodies. We don't have like a publishing house or anything like that that we can just, um, you know, just throw our books up, but, um, you know, we want to do this, or at least I want to do this right. You know, I don't mm-hmm. want to just rush it.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so I, I hope this year, mm-hmm. um, maybe late summer, early fall at the latest. I, I, I doubt it's going to go that long, but, um, it really will depend on the review process. I really want, some uh, good solid men to review the book, provide feedback and if they are able to write a positive review that we can post in the book. Okay. So, uh, it keeps us honest, you know, or you know, are we from editorial perspective are we doing good? Theological mm-hmm. perspective does, is it sound? Right. Um and then mm-hmm. if people's names were on it that always helps with the credibility too. Like, oh, yeah. okay, these guys did their, you know, they did their homework. They mm-hmm. didn't just Put it together, throw it out there, and and it's like okay, they actually took the time to have people look at it, right? And uh, it's credibility, so that so uh, sometime this year is their plan. I don't okay. have a solid timeline though. But, all righty. All right. Thanks everyone. Have all a great
3: Lord's have Day. A great
0: Lord's Day tomorrow. Bye. Bye. <laughs>